Welcome to Frost & Sullivan's Growth Innovation and Leadership Briefing. Today's event is titled, Startups Driving Innovation in Upstream Oil and Gas. My name is Anna. Over to Rashaline. Thank you. My name is Rashaline Nakra, and I'm the Industry Analyst at Frost & Sullivan. I would like to thank everyone for attending and also our panelists for agreeing to participate in the webinar today. As part of Frost & Sullivan's Oil & Gas Innovation Council, just to give you a brief overview of the council, the council, uh, the Oil & Gas Innovation Council um, uh, spotlights emerging technologies, innovations, and new, trend, new trends in the industry. So overall, the council's mission is to leverage innovation to help increase efficiencies and reduce the cost and complexity of the upstream oil and gas. And so before launching the Innovation Council, we, invented, we interviewed dozens of innovation leaders in the oil and gas industry, asking what are the critical issues that the industry was facing. And one of the top issues was monitoring the leading startup companies and how they impact the bottom line. And hence, one of the deliverables of the council is the mo monthly report, where we profile the promising startups. And uh, you'll see in this slide, on the left-hand side, you can view the top critical issues of the industry. And on the right-hand side, there are in-depth themes of our research team that, are, that we are covering this year. So now, without further ado, I will go ahead and let the panelists introduce themselves and their company solutions. Our first panelist for today is Talgat Shokhanov with Quantum Pro. Yes, good morning. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Rosaline. My name is Talgat Shokhanov. I am a president and CEO of Quantum Pro Inc. Uh, I spent 15 years in the industry, mainly on the fracturing and injection businesses worldwide. Uh, has various um, R&D positions, a management role and operational role uh, in the Schlumberger. I'm recognized expert in the shale and complex fracturing uh, worldwide and I was awarded Distinguished Engineering and Service Award from SC. Uh, today I would like to introduce the Quantum Pro. Quantum Pro is a technology company with a mission to develop and deploy a unique and smart tracer technology for oil and gas um, operators. We headquartered in Houston uh, with operation in uh, mainly uh, North America land at, at the moment. Uh, we develop and deploy unique technology around intelligent tracers that is based on the, our proprietary matter to uh, embed unique fingerprints in each of the bags of the particles in our facility in Houston. Uh, one of the key value propositions for the customers that we see in that technology, the first and foremost, is a very uh, cost-effective material to, uh, to produce. The particles itself are live and inert. Uh, we can use it for multiple uh, type of the application all the way from the multi-stage hydraulic fracturing to water injection to waste disposal. Uh, we can, the particles itself in terms of the characteristics are safe, they're non-hazardous and non-radioactive, uh, very easy to deploy, unintrusive uh, to the completion design, agnostic for different type of the fluid and track fans. They use also at uh, very high temperature in terms of the downfall condition. We do all the testing on site, so we took full control and ownership on the quality control and quality insurance on location. We're offering here a quick turnaround time and the very high resolution goes down to the subatomic uh, detection limit. On top of that, what we see here, we integrate that with our cutting edge uh, subject matter expertise around the front and the completion optimization. We cut through the different silos in terms of the data set. 
we drive the, the next level of the completion of track optimization through integrating the pre and post track data uh, during the bulk computing capacity from Microsoft and coupling that with uh, cloud uh, power um, uh, computing capabilities along with the leading domain expertise to enable our customers to build a unique uh, deep learning uh, algorithms that integrate the smart tracer data during the flowback combined with uh, existing data sets, including the data on the log analysis, petrophysics, geomechanics, and post-frac uh, flow production profile. With that in mind, we can help our customers significantly increase the completion efficiency. We're talking about incremental of the production stage level. We also can optimize the frac efficiency and, and, and increase the return on investment in each of the frac stage. We also optimize the sand and water usage uh, for the completion design. In fact, we do much more with the less resources that is needed uh, to gain the better production. We also be critical partner on the packet prevention. There is a lot of issues around pollen and child interaction. And by measuring the, the communication between the packs through the intelligent tracing in combination with our unique expertise, we can minimize that packet at the same time help our customers to optimize uh, the well spacing and position on the fractures in each of the stage. And therefore, all that combined, we can increase the completion efficiency and drive for the, the, the next level of completion design that help our customers to achieve their goals. Uh, thank you for your attention, and that's it with my side of the presentation. Thank you so much, Salga. That was great. Thank you. Uh, next up, we have Yvonne uh, with Ingo Solutions. Yes, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Yvonne. Uh, I'm co-founder of Ingo Solutions. And um, with my co-founder, I started Ingo back in 2014. And uh, we are based in uh, Calgary, Canada. Uh, today, I would like to introduce you to what we call our Pipers technology to inspect pipelines for oil, gas, and water. Uh, as you might all be aware, uh, pipeline infrastructure is, is aging. Um, there are so many pipelines that are older than, than 50 years even. Um, and there's also about 40% of all the pipelines in the world that cannot be inspected using conventional tools. That means that uh, that is about 1.5 million kilometers uh, all over the world. And when you look at the 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 tools that are used today, uh, you can see an example here. And as you can see, it, it's a large industrial tool. There are many people needed. There's machinery needed. You need to stop operations of the pipeline. So it, it's quite uh, labor intensive uh, as well as uh, highly costly. So our solution is what we call our pipers. And you can see the, the, the big guy in the middle holding our small uh, golf ball sized ball um, and he's just going to to launch he's about to launch it um, in the pipeline and he as you can tell you, you he's kind of looking at it okay I'm going to drop a, a ball in my pipeline but it's um, this was a project in North Dakota uh, last winter um, and as you can see it, it's really easy just opening up uh, the pipeline and then dropping it in and then it literally goes with the flow. 
So um, the, the, the big advantage of our tool is uh, that we can go into all uh, types of pipelines, so either steel or non-steel. Um, we uh, have a, focus, a particular focus on the small diameter pipelines, um, so as of two inch, but also, as I already mentioned, those pipelines that can just not be inspected uh, with traditional tools. And that can be because there's too low flow, there are too uh, steep bends in there, there are diameter changes, and um, our pipers technology does not have any restrictions at all to, to go through the pipeline. On the left-hand side, you see um, three of the, of the small pipers just received in a fresh water line. Um, and on the right-hand side, you can see that our piper is mounted on the back of a cleaning pig. And that's actually the way that we use it in natural gas because we need something to propel it. Um, when we are in a liquid, we, we are literally free-floating, so we are going along with the flow of the liquid, and that has uh, quite some advantages. That way we can perfectly detect leaks because there's hardly any background noise. Um, we locate deposits, uh, we determine what the pipeline looks like, for instance, to be able to tell an operator that he can indeed use an MFL tool to, for an inspection, and we look at the magnetic features. Um, the, the whole way uh, that, we, uh, that we offer this is, is as a service. We don't charge for the hardware, but we only charge for the data that we provide per kilometer. So depending on the level of information, we have different levels of pricing. Um, and as I already mentioned, uh, we have no downtime. Uh, it's really easy to use, um, and we can cover distances as long as uh, 24 hours in inspection. Well, a little bit more about the stage of the company. So uh, 2018 was our first commercial year. And since that time, uh, we screened, in the meantime, 52 pipelines. Uh, every week we add to that, uh, fortunately. Um, this gives an overview of the type of pipelines that we, that we screened. Uh, you can see that we went up to 1,200 PSI, which was a gas line. And uh, below there are a couple of the clients uh, that um, we can mention that we work with. We work with Chevron, with Aquanar, but also Husky Energy, uh, Vermilion, Obsidian, uh, are a couple of different operators. We, we mainly operate at the moment still in North America, but um, the whole business model is that we provide uh, that we provide an operator with a, a box of pipers, so we're not needed in the field, and then uh, the operator can just use uh, deploy the pipers uh, at the time that's convenient for them in the pipelines of interest, um, and um, we just do the data analysis. Um, that is um, that is uh, a, bit, a bit more about our Piper's technology, uh, and if there are any questions, I'd be happy to, to answer those. Thanks, Ivan. That really looks great. Piper's technology is actually something pretty unique. Uh, let's move on to our next panelist for today, Ivatar Miran with uh, Fieldbit. <clears throat> yeah, good, good morning or good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Ivatar Miran and I'm uh, the CEO of uh, the company Fieldbit. Um, 
Uh, well, in general, uh, it is uh, my third startup conception and uh, success and exit, and, uh, and also the previous uh, startups were uh, uh, were involved in in taking um, uh, new technologies to a very conservative market. Philbit uh, started uh, started when uh, we identified the need for field service technicians for augmented reality-based solutions with smart glasses and uh, other uh, mobile uh, devices. And uh, soon enough, uh, when we uh, um, uh, introduced the first product to the market in 2015, uh, we uh, uh, been identified by the energy market as a very valid uh, solution. Uh, so. What we provide is uh, the uh, five um, different of uh, knowledge uh, sources for field service technician or operator that is uh, on the machine and that they uh, are able to uh, benefit from uh, this knowledge. And the first one uh, is uh, the uh, um, connections to a field service uh, expert or a colleague uh, that knows how to, to, uh, to solve the problem. And uh, using augmented reality, they can communicate and exchange uh, valuable information. The second uh, is uh, through step-by-step uh, um, -step instructions, or, or, and, uh, and the third is uh, through uh, a, a captured knowledge. The fourth is the uh, to, uh, is the connection to the CRM or ERP uh, system of uh, the enterprise, and the fifth is the, the industrial IoT, I mean, uh, real-time values. And how does it work? In general, uh, the technicians are all the operators can be on site, and uh, having all these uh, sources of uh, knowledge, they are able to solve problems much faster and in the first time. And the result is uh, in the oil and gas industry, in the upstream, is that instead of having uh, a technician going on going from one welter to the other, identify a problem, and then uh, sending a technician to the second day, uh, the expert uh, goes again to the same uh, welter and solves the problem, then uh, uh, what his, uh, our solution involved is the ability to solve the problem by the technician, uh, either through his uh, knowledge that he, on his uh, device or uh, through face-to-face uh, -face, uh, video uh, communication with an expert that is uh, in a remote location. And uh, actually this, Solution allow the, the organization to completely change their uh, business model by having uh, either a technicians that are close to the well-paid and not having the need to send somebody from far away, or to use subcontractors, or sometimes use uh, the people on site that are uh, used in the hands and the eyes of the uh, expert uh, on on the. Um, um, <clears throat> I think that's uh, more or less. Uh, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. 
Uh, our last finalist, uh, final panelist for uh, panelist, sorry, is for today is uh, Mark McClure with Restrack Corporation. Hi, thank you. I'm the founder and CEO of Restrack Corporation, which formerly an assistant professor at the University of Texas at Austin in the Department of Petroleum and Geosystems Engineering. Let's see, next slide. Uh, the problem that we're trying to solve is that engineers optimize hydraulic fracture design to maximize oil and gas recovery and minimize cost. So they have to make decisions like how close together should we put the clusters, how long should stages be, how much fluid and profit should we inject, how close together should the wells be placed, and, and many other design decisions like that. Uh, those decisions are the first order drivers on the economic performance of the company, um, and they're very challenging because it's hard to know what would have happened if you had done something else, and it's also uh, expensive to try new things out in the field. If you haven't tried something before, uh, it takes many millions of dollars to try it out, and then years, or at least a year or two, to determine whether it worked. Um, so numerical simulation is used to shorten the learning curve. and um, <clears throat> We simulate the physics of what's happening, and that allows us to predict the outcome of different choices about how to design the frac job. And, um, next slide. Uh, what we built and what's unique about our tool is that we've integrated reservoir simulation and hydraulic fracture simulation. So conventionally, these are two different types of software. There's reservoir simulators like Eclipse and CMG. They predict production, and they simulate the, the, the multi-phase flow period of, of many years of production. And then hydraulic fracture simulators simulate crack growth. Typically, those are completely different software. And so if you want to do an integrated workflow or you're optimizing production based on um, fracture design, um, it's very awkward to have to pass back and forth between these types of software. So we wrote a single simulator. It includes all the physics all the time uh, and can perform the entire life cycle of the well in a single simulation. Uh, that can include things like parent-child interactions, refracts, as well as just optimization of, of individual well uh, hydraulic fracture. So we commercially launched the beginning of 2018, so it's been about 18 months. And uh, we started off as a very small company, just two people. Uh, now we have fully launched the beginning of 2018, so it's been about 18 months. And uh, we started off as a very small company, just two people. Uh, now we have seven. Uh, we've been growing um, rapidly. We've gotten up to 17 clients that we're working with, 15 operators. Uh, that's seven major shale plays and one conventional play in the U.S., so all the, all the heavy hitters that, that you're aware of. Uh, we do both software sales and consulting, so we'll do direct software license sales so that clients can use the software themselves internally. And then also, we'll perform a, a soup to nuts project for them. We perform a study. So a typical study, something like this, you set up an initial model based on geologic information, you history match to production and fracturing data, and then you run different scenarios to predict the outcome of different changes in the design that helps clients decide, um, you know, What's the next innovation? What's the next thing we're going to try? Um, and and really, this can make huge swings on, on their, their productivity. And of course, product design has been changing continuously. And that is it for me. Thank you so much, Mark. Great. So these are our four companies here today with broad range of experience. We have Quantum Pro, Ingo Solutions, Fieldbit, and Restrack Corporation. Uh, thank you all for the introductions. Let's go ahead and get into the Q&A session. Uh, the first question here, I'll start off with Talget, Quantum Pro. Uh, how do you think the Smart Tracer is a better solution in measuring the intra-well communication? Yes, thank you very much for this question. Um, let me uh, provide my clarification. Uh, so if you look at this uh, complex and challenging um, issue around the cross-well communication, one of the 
key um, area that is required measurement is actually physical measurement of the communication between the two fracks on offset well. On the other hand, if you look at the complexity of the shales and heterogeneity of the shales combined with natural fractures networks, it's not always easy to quantify and qualify that production. On top of that, you have the prop frac, which generate a lot of production out of the, each of the stage, and you have a natural fracture network that close after your uh, pumping phase is, is completed. So what we do here with the smart tracers, because they enable you to identify prop frac networks, and they can be monitored from two wells at the same time, you can get a better resolution and quality in terms of the communication between the fractures on a daily basis, so you're talking about long-term monitoring of the live communication between the wells. And you could see very clearly and precisely the signals if you have a cross-frack or cross-well communication. And we're talking about here long-term communication. I think in that regard, we're really leading the, the technology. And we're providing high resolution quality in terms of the pro-frack to pro-frack communication in unconventional multi-well development. Thank you, Talgat. Our next question here, Ignus, a uh, solution different from the conventional inspection tools. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, we're, we're different in a couple of, uh, of the fields. So when you look at business model, uh, we're quite different because it's a self-service model um, for which we are not needed uh, in the field. So. Um, when you look at cost, for instance, that's a factor 10 um, compared to conventional tools. Um, also, um, in, in the applications, we're quite different. Um, there are many tools that, um, that can do one inspection, one type of inspection. And then if you want to do another type of inspection, you need a different tool. All of our sensors are um, in the small balls in our pipers, so we always record all the data um, of the pipeline, and then depending on uh, the question of the operator, we provide the results for that. And to give you a couple of examples of, of questions that we get that, that varies from really specific ones, such as um, we lost an MFL tool in our line, and we don't know where, can you please locate it for us? to operators that ask us to screen a whole field of gathering lines to be able to um, set a baseline for future monitoring as well, and then uh, determine, do inspections uh, every six months, and then determine which lines uh, are a risk and which lines uh, can be, um, are, are good. So that also saves cost for the operator on the longer term uh, because we can help them decide when uh, another type of inspection is needed or a repair. Um, also, when you look at the uh, magnetics, um, so the, the big question we always get is, can you do wall thickness? Um, in that respect, we are uh, completely different because we uh, are not um, have not the high accuracy of the the one time once every five years inspection, but because we can um, screen a line uh, as often as is needed, we overlay the data and each time that we see a pipeline, our data becomes more and more accurate uh, on the magnetics. 
And at the moment, we, we need uh, about a 25% wall loss that we pick up on. Uh, but we had an operator do digs, for instance, and we found bad welds, uh, but also good pipe was indeed good pipe. So our data correlated ex um, extremely good with the findings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's interesting to know. Thank you, Yvonne. Our next question is for Fieldbit, Evitar. Um, so what are the key challenges you help your customers overcome? Um, the main challenge that our customer have, our customers have is the adoption. Because uh, Fieldbit is, uh, is a very innovative uh, solution, uh, yet it is uh, off-the-shelf um, off solution. The main challenges are in uh, uh, change management. Uh, how to get uh, technicians and other users um, stability and uh, change the way that they have been uh, working in the past into the modern and uh, more effective and productive way. Uh, most of our customers from C-level uh, and, and V-level they are excited from the solution, they see the potential, the benefits, and the value. Uh, but when it comes to the technician, there is a need uh, for uh, extra uh, effort. And the way that it is uh, done, that we help them, is by uh, uh, appointing or, or helping the champion within the organization with a set of um, tools, including reports, uh, daily report and weekly report on the usage and actually calling um, the, the users and uh, getting them uh, to tell us their success. I mean, how much uh, they saved, how much time they saved, how much, how, was the, how much, uh, uh, the, uh, how downtime, the, the machine uh, uptime uh, were improved. And this uh, type of uh, activity and uh, small successes drive other people to uh, use uh, the solution. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, I'll go ahead and ask the same question to Mark as well. Uh, Mark from Rec uh, Respect Corporation, what are the key challenges you think you help your customers to become? Yeah, so the problem is that they have maybe 10 to 15 different decisions they have to make at a high level about how to design frack jobs and how to place wells and so on. Um, and of course, with 10 to 15 different design variables, it's impossible to go out in the field and test every single combination of all of them. Uh, and so they have to be really smart about deciding, um, you know, how are we going to innovate? How are we going to how are we going to decide what to do next? You know, they know that if they keep the same design constant, that over time their their neighbors are going to pass them up. So they're trying to always figure out how can we do better, um, but course it's expensive every time that they drill a new well it takes a lot of money and it takes a while to drill that well and get production data back so what we help them do is basically screen ideas um, and also inspire new ideas so we we run a physical model of what's happening we can create a movie we can explain why things happen we develop better insight into that uh, and then that helps inspire hey maybe we should try tweaking the design in this way or that way and that helps them iterate towards a better design faster which has a direct implication, of course, on um, economic performance. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mark. Uh, going back to Target with the uh, Quantum Pro, how is the smart tracer different from the chemical tracer and other 
workflow profiling technologies? Okay, um, so you know, based on the you know shale well economics, most of the wells that is designed for most of the technologies that are designed for the flow profiling is quite expensive and requires a lot of modification completion design, which in many cases is not on the on agenda anymore. I think primarily if you benchmark again the chemical tracers, you know, most of them are dissolvable products uh, that requires uh, at least two tracers per stage. Uh, they also limited to molecular detection uh, limits. Um, in, in contrast, I think Quantum Pro uh, Smart Tracer uh, technology allows a better uh, use of the tracers, so we can use one uh, tracer instead of multiple tracers per stage. We also can be much more cost-effective in terms of the deployment and the cost of materials. And the last but not least, I think in terms of the resolution, if you look at the, the fracture, um, uh, you know, characterization and interval communication, I think the smart tracers can have much more uh, benefits in terms of the flow mapping and uh, and the practice characterization that we see based on our uh, deployment today. Okay, that's interesting. Thank you, Talga. Um, Avatar, I have a question for you here. Um, so, how does your solution work uh, without internet? Okay, as I mentioned, there are five sources of um, knowledge uh, that uh, technicians or operator have. Uh, the first is uh, communication with uh, field service, with the uh, experts, and this can be done either through uh, video, real-time video, or through uh, images that the technician can send uh, to the uh, expert. Um, and this obviously requires uh, some sort of internet. Our solution allows a low band also, but, it's, but internet is, is needed. Um, for some of our customers, uh, they have managed to have internet also in rural areas uh, by some devices and boosters that they put in their uh, trucks. Um, for other, uh, the other um, sources of information, uh, the step-by-step -step instruction, SOP, and um, the, um, the knowledge, the, the captured knowledge, uh, this can be resides on the device of the technician, including the augmented reality. So there is no need for an internet. And uh, there are other more specific um, pieces of information that also can reside on the, on the device that uh, doesn't need them. In internet. Uh -huh. Understood. Next one I have for Respac Corporation. Uh, Mark, what is your technological edge, and uh, what prevents others from replicating the same? Sure. So the the edge is that it's a truly integrated solution with the fracture and the reservoir. So in fact, I see a question here. Uh, someone else asked. Um, there's a fracture, uh, or the models integrated together. It's not multiple models. It is one model. There's only one interface because it's only one simulation. It's only one simulator. So it really is not like we've just kind of glued together a frac model and a reservoir model. It's, it's one model with all the physics all the time solving the whole problem together. Um, and that's unique, actually. Um, that has not been done, at least commercially. There are perhaps a few research tools that have done something like that. Um, 
but they're not commercial products, and they're not as nearly as featured as what ResRack does. Um, so that is a big edge, and I think that's actually going to be very long-term defensible because it is a very different numerical approach. So under the hood, it's not public. We have a patent pending, to, at least on some of the parts of the algorithm and how things work. Um, but it's we figured out a lot of new stuff to make the simulator run in a way that's um, sufficiently efficient and then also um, flexible enough to solve the equations and it's consistent. So for example, um, a challenge with numerical simulators is they have to converge. They have to be able to solve a large coupled system of nonlinear equations at every time step over and over, and it has to be done very consistently and reliably. Um, and there's a ton of challenge in making this problem that we're solving uh, converge consistently. Um, and so we've we figured out a lot of stuff under the hood, um, and I, I think that it's clearly advantageous to do it the way we're doing it. And in 10 years, you know, there will surely be other people doing this. Uh, but I think it's really hard, and I think that it's going to be a major investment of time and research for any any company that that tries to do it. So it's not permanently, you know, un uncopyable, but I think it'll be a while, and it's it's uh, much harder than it looks. Great, thank you for that answer. Um, this so I'll go ahead and take up questions from the audience now. Um, there's one question for Ingo Solutions, Iwan. Are the sensors in the piper giving output in real time? Uh, no. The pipe, uh, we store the data on the piper, so we need to retrieve them in order to read out the data and do the analysis. And it's it just tough to, you, most of the time we are underground in uh, a, a metal steel line, so it's pretty tough to uh, transmit data then. Okay. Okay. Uh, the next question I have here is, is the sensor acoustic or magnetic? It's actually both. So the sensors that are uh, on our pipers, um, uh, we have a pressure sensor, so um, uh, that's one. Then um, we have an acoustic sensor in there indeed to, um, that we use for leak detection, so we literally listen to leaks. Um, we have a magnetometer uh, in there uh, that we indeed use to uh, look at the magnetics of the pipeline. Uh, and then we measure acceleration and rotation. And we use that, for instance, for a band analysis. Great. Okay. I'll go ahead with the next question. Um, this is for Mark, Restrack Corporation. Is there any involvement of artificial intelligence or machine learning in your firm? Yeah, it's an interesting question. The answer is not much. Um, the idea of artificial intelligence machine learning is derived from big data. You have a lot of data, and you want to search through that data and identify patterns. It's really a statistical approach. It looks back, and it pulls out what you've learned from what you've done in the past. That's not actually the the primary purpose of what we're doing. We're trying to say, what if you did something you've never done before? Uh, you know, it's hydraulic fracturing in shale is not a big data problem. Even if you're a huge operator with years of experience and you have hundreds of wells, it's not like you went out and tried every possible combination of, of design parameters. Uh, you have very tiny slivers of a very large dimensional problem that have been sampled from your previous history. And so it's not a big data problem. And, and with machine learning, you can't extrapolate out and predict what would happen if you did something new. So for example, we'll, we'll work with an operator and we'll say, well, you know, we think that if you change variable A, that's going to improve production. And they might say, well, we tried that and it didn't work. And then we'd say, ah, but 
you have to change variable B and C along with variable A. Because if you don't change those other variables together, then that, that change won't work. So I'm trying to be vague there. But the point is that um, you know, there's all these interactions and physical things that are happening. Um, and you just haven't tried all of them yet. And so you can't, you can't do machine learning on, on the past if, if you don't have the experience to learn from. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll also say I think the two technologies are complementary. I think companies should look back at what they've done and see what worked, and that's where machine learning will come in. Um, but we're helping to look forward, and I really think that the two technologies work in concert. It's actually, I, I like to say it's part of the, the, the scientific method. The first half of the scientific method is to develop theory and hypothesis, and then you develop data to test hypothesis, and then you create new hypothesis. And so um, machine learning looks back at observation and creates uh, conclusions or inference, um, and then physics helps to predict future things and generate new hypotheses. So I really think they work together as part of kind of a scientific method as you iterate towards improvement. All right. The next one I have here is um, how is the Piper pushed ahead? Um, in in a liquid, we are neutrally buoyant. Um, so we're literally in uh, in the liquid, and then we go with the flow of the liquid. Um, if it's natural gas, uh, we use the combination as I've shown in the presentation. So then we uh, use a common cleaning pig to push the piper forward. So as long as there's flow, then uh, we move forward. Okay. Great. Um, this one's from, uh, uh, for uh, Quantum Pro Target. Um, what is your primary short-term goal and the long-term goal going forward? Okay, no, that's an excellent question. So short-term goal in terms of the tracer monitoring and the analysis is basically to get a better insight on the, each of the wells' low profile. You know, most of the well has no information in terms of the data uh, on the stage level and a lot of assumptions and uh, the technology was focused on test track analysis without direct correlation to the output from the um, from the, the design and the deployment of the technology on the post track production stage level. So that's our goal in terms of expanding the um, you know the, the the application of the technology, expanding the, the accuracy in terms of the detection and the footprint across the different basins. But the long term, you see there's a lot of opportunities from flow profile mapping, and it's not only in the conventional uh, multi-stage hydraulic structuring, but you also see at the larger um, scale on the offshore, on onshore, there is a large um, operation around water injection, enhanced recovery, uh, weight disposal, et cetera, where the technology can be applied very successfully to measure the flow profile vertically and horizontally uh, from the injection well to the production well and get a better granularity in terms of the, uh, the injection process and uh, help operators to optimize uh, the field development and maintain the, the high level of the production from all the offset wells. So that kind of goal in terms of long-term uh, technology application um, for different areas. Thank you, Dalia. That's good to know for our audience. I'll go ahead and ask the same question to Avatar uh, with Fieldpit. Uh, what do you think is your, um, can you please tell us your primary short-term goal and the long-term goal? Um, okay. Um, from the inception of the company, uh, most of our opportunities uh, came to us uh, because the, the interest in the market for 
augmented reality for field service is, is huge. So our short-term uh, um, plan is uh, just to have uh, some more uh, real success stories and uh, use cases uh, on in, in this specific market that we are in, uh, especially in the uh, energy sector. Uh, <clears throat> we have today a few, and uh, we hope to have um, um, much more in the next uh, couple of months. Uh, just to, uh, I didn't mention it before, uh, we are located in the uh, Silicon Valley, Houston, Denver, and Boston. We have also offices in Heidelberg, Germany, and our uh, R&D headquarters is in uh, Tel Aviv. Uh, for long term, uh, our uh, uh, objectives are uh, to, to have our technology uh, embedded within the enterprise software of our customer, within the field service management software and the, uh, and the CRM and other um, software that the technicians uh, are using today. Uh, this is the challenge that uh, most Cummins customers are, are looking for, for uh, su such a solution, and uh, we are already working on it with some of our customers. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I'll take up another question from the audience. Um, how does the inspection device make it through the walls? Yes, that's a good question. Um, it, it, it's not a problem um, at all, actually, uh, because again, uh, we are centered in the in the liquid, uh, so we we just uh, push through. Um, especially for the two inch and three inch diameter lines, uh, we always ask operators whether the valves are full bore, so there are no no issues there. And we have our normal piper is a 2.2 inch in diameter, so that we use uh, in three inch lines in diameter and uh, larger. And for the two inch lines, we have a 1.5 inch mini piper. Okay. Thank you. Uh, this one's for Mark. Has the accuracy of the well simulations been confirmed against the actual production uh, production results? How close are the simu simulations to the real world? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And of course, it's it's a complex question for anybody who does subsurface engineering of any kind. So it's very easy to history, well, not very easy, but it is certainly possible to history match a numerical model to real data. Um, that doesn't prove that the numerical model is correct or even useful at all. Um, we, again, we're not in a big data environment. We actually have quite limited data. We. You know, if you're trying to history match production in one well, you've only got production curve versus time, um, and so on. So certainly in every project, we, we match the data. Um, but I would not warrant that that alone proves it's right or reliable. There's many, many, many models that could match the data, and many of them are going to be completely useless. Um, so that's kind of step one. You should match the data. Uh, the step two is, you know, are we getting predictions of where we don't already know the answer um, that help companies make decisions. And in the short term, some of my favorites have been like companies have done things like given us a well design from two years ago and said, you know, how would you improve this? And we've come back and, and 
giving them recommendations and they say, oh yeah, you know, we figured that out in the past two years. And so that's been something that's built confidence for some of our clients is, is that um, we've been able to basically kind of rediscover things that they've had to discover themselves, only it took them years and a lot of money and, and we did it very quickly and very cheaply. Um, you know, another example is, is a, an operator, we had a DFIT study looking at interpretation of DFIT tests. We have a paper coming out next month. Uh, and their DFIT interpretation was like 100x off what they really felt it was. And when we simulated the DFIT, I didn't modify a single thing in the model. It just came out looking um, like their data. Uh, and we were able to explain, based on the simulation result, why the DFIT interpretation was way off. And um, that's leading to, to them and many other operators getting more accurate permeability estimates, which is helping them make better decisions. And we have a paper at Ertec and a paper at ATCE about uh, that particular study. So. Um, yeah, that's, you know, the long answer is the proof is when companies make decisions based on our recommendations um, and they get back better results. And, and, of course, that takes time. So we have a few of those starting to come back, um, but there are quite a few companies that have, have actually guided their changes in design over the past year using ResFrac, seen improved production, um, or in also cases where they've basically done kind of blind tests in the past few years. So. I think it's important for us to keep putting out more white papers. We have a lot of white papers kind of like about to post on our website, which we're redoing, um, to, to put more and more of those kind of case studies together, because I recognize that's a critical question for someone to ask. Um, but yeah, let's hope that answers the question. But yes, we, we've had a lot of good experience with it, and um, not just matching data, but actually coming up with recommendations that help companies make money, which is really the point. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that, Mark. Uh, one last question here. Uh, the scanning mechanism is azimuth, I assume. That's the question I have. Azimuth too. Um, no, that's not the case. Um, we measure in three axes, and um, as you can imagine, if you're free floating, um, going through a pipeline, um, anything that um, did. If we pass a, uh, a valve, um, anything, if there's a, a slight difference in pressure, we notice that. So it's it's a pretty complex um, measurement and analysis that we do, uh, especially because we are free-floating. Um, um, so that is not uh, as important. Okay, great. I got another one from Mark. I guess this is the last one, and we'll wrap it up. So, Mark, what are the inputs does your model need? Are those the same with conventional reservoir and fracture models? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's both. You would need everything like um, you know, saturation, permeability, uh, rel perm curves, fluid model. That's what you'd put in a reservoir simulator, and then in a frac simulator, you put in things like Young's modulus, Poisson's ratio, um, fracture toughness. Of course, those are not homogeneous properties; they're spatially variable. Um, and we support different amounts of putting in spatial variability of those properties. So all of those properties that you would use in a frac simulator and a reservoir simulator doesn't have any kind of, you know, unusual new requirements. Um, and then, of course, to history match and, and compare with data, then you would want to have production data, you'd want to have injection data. Uh, and we also like to have microseismic to help constrain fracture geometry. We find that to be very helpful. And any other sort of offset information, you know, offset frac hits, uh, DAS, uh, and, and a variety of other diagnostic tools that are out there. Tracers, certainly. We've, we've actually found tracers very useful in projects as well. Thank you so much. And uh, this concludes our briefing for today. I want to thank our panelists for joining us today and sharing the unique and innovative solutions with us. Um, if you have any other questions, please send them up or send them to us. Thank you for joining today. Thank you.